Hi everyone, I'm your host, Jaco Selka, and you are listening to Hopefully Sustainable. Each week, I'm going to talk to extraordinary people who are doing extraordinary things to make the world a more sustainable place. My goal is for this episode to leave you feeling hopeful about an idea, a person, or the world in general. Thank you for joining me in this conversation, and all together we can be hopefully sustainable. Hi everyone, I hope that you all are staying safe and healthy out there while our world still faces the coronavirus. Back in March, when the pandemic became a reality for most Americans, I remember seeing all the stories on the news about the farmers who were having to plow all of their crops back into the field, or the dairy farmers who were having to just drain all of their milk, and I remember just being really devastated at seeing all of this food waste. And then I was watching ABC News one night and I learned about the FarmLink Project. They are a nonprofit organization who is working to connect farmers with food banks to reduce food waste and to reduce hunger at the same time. I knew immediately that I wanted to get in touch with the group and find someone to interview on my podcast. So today I am honored to speak with Mitzi Harris, who is the head of fundraising for the FarmLink Project. To date, they have rescued 10 million pounds of food, which equates to over 7 million meals. It's incredible to see how they are working to reduce food waste and help all these people who are hungry across the country. Throughout the episode, Mitzi and I discuss how the FarmLink project came to be, how students from Stanford, Brown, and Cornell all came together to create this organization, This episode was really personal for me because my great uncle in Iowa is a farmer. I know how hard farmers in America work. There's no days off and they have to work through all of the conditions to feed consumers. So to know that there are organizations out there like the FarmLink Project who are working together with farmers and communities really gives me a lot of hope. I'm really excited for everyone to learn more about the FarmLink Project, so let's get started. Hi, Mitzi. Thank you so much for being a guest on Hopefully Sustainable. I first heard about the Farmling Project on ABC News, and then I found out that our former guest, Dara Collins with Food Rescue US, was able to distribute 42,000 pounds of potatoes in her community of Detroit, thanks to you all connecting her with a farmer in Washington State. I think the work that you all are doing across the country is incredibly impactful, and is providing hope to so many people during these challenging times. So Mitzi, thank you for being here. Go ahead and introduce yourself and give us a little background on who you are. Thank you so much for the introduction. I'm so excited to be on this podcast. I recently graduated from Stanford and have been working with the FarmLink Project over the summer. I've been leading the fundraising team along with one of my best friends from Stanford, Courtney Bond, and we have a team of 15 specifically on the fundraising team, but FarmLink as a whole is over 150 student volunteers, all working remotely. All of us volunteer 100%. So it's been a really, really meaningful way for me to get involved with something really purposeful and meaningful during the past few months. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited to dive into all of what the FarmLink Project is doing. But first, can you tell the listeners what the FarmLink Project is? Yes, the FarmLink Project is a nonprofit organization collecting surplus from farms and delivering it to food banks across the United States. So how did the FarmLink Project come to be? 
It was started by a small group of students from Stanford and Brown during COVID. Um, like mid-March, they got the idea. They saw all of these articles in the news about farmers that were throwing away millions of pounds of produce in landfills. And at the same time, there were so many articles about food banks with mile long lines with shortages of food because so many more people were hungry than um, normal. So their demand was a lot higher and they thought, okay, there must be something we can do about it. So they tested it out. They rented a truck and they did their first delivery. And then it was something that they thought about and they were like, okay, well, we could really scale it if we build the right team of people. And so they started developing the logistics and really putting together a strong team. Originally, it was mostly friends of friends. And now it's become an organization that has volunteers from all across the country who, similarly to you, read about us in um, the Washington Post or the New York Times or saw the ABC News segment. And... Um, are inspired by the mission and now we really have a system that's working super well and have been able to deliver more than 9.4 million pounds of food. Wow, that's an incredible statistic. How did you personally get involved with the project? I got involved with the project because I'm super close friend with um, a few of the people on the leadership team who came from Stanford and I was graduating and I didn't have my job finalized for after graduation and I knew how inspiring the FarmLink project was and I really, really wanted to be involved. And so I applied like every other person um, and then I had interviews like every other person who joins our organization and I ultimately ended up on the fundraising team and I came in to lead it, like I said, with one of my best friends um, and we've been leading it for the past few months. I think it's really unique how the FarmLink project is run by all college students and young adults. What is it like working with a group of college students on such an impactful project? It's really cool. I think when I joined, I didn't know what it was going to be like. I knew that it was all students and that we were all volunteers, but I didn't fully understand how much that could actually add to my life right now. And I think this is one of the most isolating periods for all of us and a time when it's impossible pretty much to go out and meet new people. And I feel like I've made some of the best friends in my life right now through this organization because we sit on Zoom all day long and we were joking the other day that our meetings have gotten way longer because we actually are talking to our friends, which is super <laughs> cool. And it's like not just we're meeting about FarmLink, but also we're just chatting and catching up with each other. And I also think it's so funny. I don't even know how tall my new friends are because I literally only see them over Zoom, um, but it's really fun. It's a super organic organization, and I feel like everyone involved is involved for the right reasons. They're so inspired by this mission and buy into it for different reasons, whether that's the team that they're on or the mission of the organization. Um, every single person is super committed and dedicated, and I find it incredibly inspiring. I wake up and work on FarmLink and I work on it after dinner and it's so additive for me. And I think we've really built a community that extends far beyond just our volunteers. I think that's definitely how you know you're doing something impactful when you're super excited to work on it and it's something that you find fun to do and doesn't necessarily feel like work exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, play for a lot of us like we're doing something super impactful super meaningful but I don't know like in our the beginning of our meetings Courtney and I'll ask people to say 
like their favorite fruit or vegetable, or we'll do something silly. And my stepmom was like, that is not how meetings are in the workplace. <laughs> but for us, it works really well. And it's kind of like eating at lunch with friends while also talking about something really impactful. Wow, that's really cool. So what is the process like for the FarmLink project? How do you find the farmers and how do you connect them with food banks across the country? So the process is very multifaceted. We have 13 teams at FarmLink that each do different things. And the first one is farms. So farms does a lot of cold calling. Lately, we've been doing these things called um, farms power hours, where they'll give each person a list of farms to call and we'll literally sit on the phone cold calling farmers um, to see if they have extra produce. And that's the process they do for the intake. I think that we get some inbound requests as well from farms and we have a few recurring really large farms that we work with, but a lot of it is cold calling. So we're all developing sales, um, sales skills, which I think is mm-hmm. a really cool hard skill to have. And then from there, Farms will coordinate with the farmers and the deals team, which is in charge of our logistics, will coordinate everything from um, picking up the food from the farms to delivering it to the food banks and making sure that the distribution centers are prepared um, and that the food is going where it needs to go in the right amount of time. So something I didn't realize that I've really learned is how hard it actually is to deliver the pounds and to really coordinate the deliveries, even if we have the funds to do so. Like we've set a goal to deliver 15 million pounds by the end of the summer. And that means that we've to source 15 million pounds of food, which can be a lot more difficult than I originally thought that it would be. Do you find that a lot of the food comes from small scale, like family farms, or is it more industrial, like large farms? I think that it's a mix. I would have to double check because I'm not as involved with the farm sourcing as the farms co-leads would be, but I believe it's super large farms and medium-sized farms that we get most of our excess produce from. Um, It's hard because to coordinate a truckload of delivery, we would need to have a certain amount of pounds. And I think um, if we have smaller deliveries, like 50 pounds or 100 pounds, a lot of times we will ask for volunteers in our community network, which is a Facebook page we have um, that one of my new friends, Will Rankin, is in charge of, and he coordinates all of the volunteers around the country who could deliver um, 50 to 100 pounds or smaller deliveries that farms might have for us. And on a larger scale, we're sourcing from larger farms just for the, the truckloads. Can you talk about what these farmers would have to do without your group coming to rescue their excess produce? Yeah. So one of the things that was most heartbreaking to us was that it was easier for farmers to put the excess produce in a landfill than it was for them um, to coordinate all of the deliveries to the food banks. And that's not the case for every farm. Like some of the farms that I've called in the power hours I mentioned already have partnerships with food banks, but those I noticed tended to be the smaller farms. And like when you have thousands and thousands or hundreds and thousands of pounds, it was just easier for them to put the food in a landfill. Yeah, I know we've all seen the images on the news of the milk being poured down the drain and the produce just being tilled back into into the field. So it's really great that there's organizations out there like you guys 
who are coming in and rescuing this food instead of it being sent into the landfill. Thank you so much. Um, it's something that I've learned about too. Like I studied art history in college and don't have a background in sustainability and came into this organization and have learned about all of these different things and have been so moved by what we're doing because it's such a huge issue. Um, and I think educationally, it's been a really impactful thing for me as well. What are some examples of what the farmers grow that you guys are going in and collecting and donating to the food banks? We have a long list of commodities we have delivered, but a few of them are milk, onions, potatoes. We've delivered, I think, almost 1.5 million pounds of potatoes, which is so wow. many potatoes. I think we posted a metric a few weeks ago. It was like over 200 million French fries. Oh my Like gosh. something really crazy. Yeah. Um, and then we've delivered lettuce. We have a huge apple delivery coming up. Um, we did one salt delivery and we've had a few other ones um, mixed in there as well. Wow. So it's really a diverse range of crops that you guys are delivering, not just one specific crop. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I think one thing that I noticed as well when I actually went to one of the distribution centers um, to pack up some of the pallets that were then given to community leaders to distribute to the community was how much thought goes into curating these boxes for every single family because we could deliver 40,000 pounds of milk to one distribution center and 40,000 pounds of lettuce. But what does that actually look like when it goes to the individual families? And we've really been focused on nourishment and on diversity of produce and making sure that we're not just dropping more lettuce than people can handle or more milk than people could handle, but instead really trying to make it um, comprehensive and digestible for each family that gets our food. I think that's so important to think about the human aspect and component of the organization because in the end it is people and families with children that are getting this food. So it's important to think about the nourishment, like you said, and make sure that they're getting healthy food sent home with them. How far away do you all distribute the food? I know that there's food banks across the country that you all are working with. So how does that process work of coordinating what food banks the food even goes to? It varies dependent on need. Um, one thing that I think at the beginning of the organization we were doing was really just trying to save the food. And we would find food banks to bring it to um, that hopefully were not too far away, but sometimes the trucks were traveling a really long distance. And since then, we've really built out a network of farms and food banks, some with recurring deliveries, some that are just one-time deliveries. And we've really tried to cut down on the distance the food actually has to travel because as an environmentally focused organization, we also want to be conscious of the carbon emissions that we're contributing and various factors that we could control. Um, and so now we're really strategically trying to think about where the farms are, where the food banks are, and then optimizing the, the food that we're able to deliver. I know that we did our first delivery by plane yesterday. Oh, which wow. Yeah, that was really exciting. And those went to um, communities that are particularly difficult to reach via truck. So particularly food insecure communities. And that's kind of um, something that our organization is really focused on as well. We have an 
impact plan where 80% of our funds and deliveries go towards communities that are um, logistically easier to serve or are recurring deliveries. And then 20% is specifically reserved for particularly food insecure communities or marginalized communities that are not traditionally served. You mentioned the carbon emissions and I saw on the website that so far 17 million 512,110 pounds of carbon dioxide emissions have been prevented. So not only is the FarmLink project helping farmers and feeding people, but you all are helping fight climate change at the same time. Can you talk about this and why the FarmLink project thinks this is an important metric to also use in addition to how much food you're rescuing? Absolutely. I think it kind of touches on what I mentioned before, which is that as a really environmentally conscious organization, it would be reckless of us to ignore the fact that trucks emit a lot of um, carbon dioxide and that our deliveries could possibly contribute to that. And so we really, really do try to keep track of that metric um, as well as other metrics to really track what our organization is able to prevent or provide based on um, different factors that we're in control of. I'm sure when you all started this, you thought maybe we'll help a few farms and maybe help out a few, few, a few food banks. At what point did you all know this was becoming bigger than you could have ever imagined? That is a really interesting question. Um, I definitely agree. No one knew that it would grow to be something this big. For me, I'm trying to think of a particular moment when I realized like, holy cow, this is a really big thing. Um, I think as a member of the fundraising team, seeing interest from some of the largest corporations um, in the country has been kind of a signal to me that we really are onto something. We've received a lot of grants from different corporations and have formed a lot of partnerships with really, really established organizations and corporations, which I feel so incredibly blessed to have for the organization. Um, and I would walk away from meetings and there was one meeting in particular where we got off the call and I called Courtney and we just sat there and both of us were kind of like struck by what the organization is doing and like cried. And it was just like a really, really important moment because I think it really is bigger than anyone thought it would be. And it's going to be bigger than anyone imagined it would. And there are so many times that I just feel so grateful and so moved by the scale of this organization so soon. Like we've been around for um, like four months, five months, and it's just amazing to me what we've done. Well, as someone with a sustainability background, I learned so much about food waste and hunger throughout all of my college courses. And one of the main things that we always found was that there's so much food grown that there is enough food grown to support all of these people who are hungry, but there's just never really been a middleman to connect and link those two issues. So it really shows that you guys are truly onto something because there's finally a middleman who's rescuing what could become food waste and helping people at the same time. So I think that's incredible work that you guys are doing. Thank you so much. Um, there's absolutely enough food to feed every single person and still have excess. And it's 
disturbing to us. I think that not everyone has access to that food. And so to have been able to capture some of that and redistribute it still just like makes me so proud of this organization and really drives everything that I do with them each day. Do you have a particular experience either with food banks or farmers or even just your friends that you're working with that really impacted you or made you realize that you were making a big difference? I think it was probably um, the day I went to the distribution center. Courtney and I actually went together in Southern California and we went to a distribution center where there were there was lettuce and milk um, and we were taking the delivery of that food and actually packing it into pallets that were then given to community leaders who took it back to their communities. And I think up to that point, which was now a month ago, I didn't really understand what, like what we were doing on a more personal level. Like, okay, we've delivered almost 9.5 million pounds of food, but what does it actually look like for people? And how does that actually feed people who otherwise would not have been fed? And we went in and actually put the boxes of milk and the boxes of lettuce onto these pallets and watched them get loaded into the cars and listened to all of these personal stories about um, the people that we were serving and what this distribution center is able to do with the food that we've provided um, and the demand that's way higher. And I think that was a moment that struck a chord for me and was really like, okay, this is a personal issue, even though we're doing it on a large scale and it needs to be treated as such. That's really powerful because I know a lot of us have seen the news stories and images of the lines at the food banks. And so I think a lot of us are very grateful that there's organizations like you guys out there who are able to help these people because right now there's just so many people out there who desperately need help and can't even feed their families. And there's all of this food out there, like you mentioned, that is perfectly edible, but is going to waste. So I can imagine that's a really powerful experience to hear the stories from people of you helping them and helping them be able to feed their families as well. Thank you so much. It really was. And I think one thing we've encouraged in our organization and beyond it is any chance that any of us have to really get on the ground and see what we're doing and serve people firsthand um, is extremely important. And it's something that is way harder because of COVID because there are so many restrictions about how many people can be in a place and whether you can be inside versus not inside or various things like that. And it's just another barrier. But for us, it is so important that we treat it as a human issue and as a personalized um, problem that we're solving. And I definitely think that that was super impactful for me and experiences that other people have had have also been similarly impactful as well. So as the world moves forward, what do you see as the future for the FarmLink project? Well, the FarmLink project is definitely staying. That's one question that people keep asking us because we're obviously all college students and um, either are going to full-time jobs or have to go back to school. So one thing I can confidently say is that the FarmLink project is here for the long haul. We're really building a structure so that the organization can last in the future. And I think we're gonna have to be flexible dependent on what farmers are growing and how they're adapting to COVID and where supply chain breakages actually are. But 
there is always going to be waste and there are always going to be opportunities for the FarmLink project to capture that. And we are doing so much research. We have two research teams, the farms research team and the food insecurity team who are doing a lot of projects together to identify the most food insecure communities at any given time and also where the waste actually exists and how we can capture it. And moving forward, we're just going to have to adapt to different breakages in the supply chain because this one has been very dependent on restaurants, schools, and corporations that closed and were no longer buying the produce from these farms. And it might look different moving forward, but it's definitely a project we are going to continue working on. For all of the listeners, how can they support the mission of the FarmLink project? There are various ways. One is through donations. We have been trying to raise $2.5 million by the end of this summer. And we are still, I'm looking at the metrics right here on the side, <laughs> but we're still $700,000 away from that goal. And so donations are always appreciated. $1 roughly contributes to 10 pounds of produce moved, wow. which is incredible. And I think puts everything into perspective. We also always welcome volunteers. You can join our Facebook community page where I mentioned we coordinate um, anytime that we need a volunteer. And then you can also follow us on social media. We have Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, <laughs> Twitter, um, and we're constantly posting different things. So sharing our social media is another incredible way to get involved. I also saw there's some really cute merch on the website as well for anyone who likes cool t-shirts. <laughs> yes, there's merch. And I've been making FarmLink bracelets and also I've been making FarmLink potato heads. So if oh anyone's interested in that, um, there's an opportunity to get one of those as well. <laughs> Great. I'll be sure to share all of those links and social media handles in the show notes. And as we come to the end of the episode, I just want to say thank you for all that the work that you guys are doing. I have a family member who's a farmer and I know how much work it is to be a farmer in America. And so for you all to be supporting them and helping them get this food out into the community just fills me with so much hope. So for the last question, I want to ask you what gives you hope? I think seeing so many young people come together and not know each other and never have met in person and be working together, it's just given me such a sense of purpose and meaning and reminded me that there's always a community somewhere and a community can be built from anything. And this one was built because all of us care about putting more hand, putting more food in the hands of the hungry and really helping farmers and truckers. And I think it's a community that extends, like I said, far beyond our team and that sense of community, which has driven everything that we've done really, really gives me a sense of hope that we're onto something and that, the world is just looking for that same sense. I always say it's like this feeling like you're being hugged. And that for me has been FarmLink the entire time and is something that I want everyone to be a part of as well. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being here today. To see all the, the work that you guys have accomplished in just such a short period of time, I'm genuinely so excited to see what is in store for the future of the FarmLink project. So Mitzi, thank you so much for sharing about the organization and all the work that you're doing today. Thank you so much for having me. I love talking to you about it. And this was awesome. I really, really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to today's episode. 
If you want to learn more about today's guest or just say hello, check out the show notes and find us on Instagram at hopefully sustainable pod. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. As you finish this episode, remember that we are all on a personal journey to make the world a better place, but it's all about progress, not perfection. Until next time, stay hopeful and stay sustainable.